French? Oh, this is embarrassing. Yeah, sure is. She's good. Saving this Chinese billionaire. Oh, yeah? That's funny. So are we. Well, then we have a sketching problem, don't we? Cut me loose, Frankenstein. Don't get nuts, Gunner. Do it. All right, folks, welcome to Man Cave Movie Review, the podcast that reviews the good, the bad, and the ugly of movies for men. This is episode 74, and today we're talking about Expendables 2. This great and fantastic film stars Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Bruce Willis, Jean-Claude Van Damme, and a host of other great action heroes. I'm your host, Steve Michaels, and joining me is my good and dear friend, Jeff, Katie, bar the door, there's a hot Asian babe in the house, Muncie. For the record, my hearing is 2020. <laughs> nice. Did you say that because I yelled too loud in the mic, or is that just a... <laughs> no, that's actually a quote out of the damn movie. <laughs> I know, that was great. Awesome. Oh, man. All right, and also joining us is our other very good and dear friend, Mark. Do not challenge me, Slover. Expendables, the action movie franchise for the AARP actor set. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh, nice. And last and certainly not least is our other good dear friend, Ken. I gave up my job to be a bouncer. I'm sorry. And last and certainly not least is our other good and dear friend, Ken. I gave up my job to be a bouncer. Roni. Well, I, I was explaining to a friend of mine. She was saying, like, what's that Steve guy look like? I've heard him on the podcast. I mean, his voice is kind of intriguing. What's he look like? And I go, well, he's got movie star looks. And she goes, well, really? What? I, I don't get it. What's he? I mean, movie star looks? What's he really look like? I said, well, he looks like Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> Which Dolph Lundgren? I, you know, now that I look at him, <laughs> long blonde locks. Oh, one savage beast. About the only thing you can get me in uh, Dolph Lundgren in this movie is the fact that he was drunk through the whole thing. And that's about it. But no, I had, I do not have long blonde locks, and I think he's probably got what about a good four inches on top of me. What is that guy? He's he's got to be about what six five. The, I'm not up on the Dolph Lundgren trivia. <laughs> He's a big boy. Oh, gosh. Anyway, folks, we're going to be talking about Expendables 2. This is um, this is my favorite of the Expendables series, uh, considering that the first one I thought was horrible. Uh, this one was really good, mainly because it was. Just, I liked the whole plot of it. I liked some of the actors that they brought in, uh, some of the ones uh, that they developed a little bit more. And it was just a better story. You know, the, the, the first one just seemed like, okay, we're going to bring in all these really well-known names, and we really are just kind of like writing this plot as we go. This one seemed like it was going to be a, a, a little bit better. And I just really enjoyed it. It's You, you were getting to see some, uh, some of the old-time action heroes from the 80s, coupled with ones from the 90s and you know bringing a couple of guys from the aughts in there so you almost had like a you know a three decade uh, uh, you know action movie all rolled into one I'll, I'll tell you what if there's one thing that I learned about this movie is that um, 
I think Sylvester Stallone sold the soul of the devil. I mean, how in the hell does that guy look like that at that age? I just, I'm just saying. Performance enhancing drugs and steroids. The thing of it is, is that, you know, physically, you know, the guy is just, I mean, just, he just looks like a, a bodybuilder. But man, when you look at his face, it almost looks like a, you know, like a melted candle. It's like, I don't know if that's just bad plastic surgery or just some of the drugs that he's doing or what the hell it is, but, um, whew. A little scary to look at him. I mean, I mean, say what you will about him, but y'all, I, I mean, I wish my body was in half as good a shape as his. But then again, he's an actor in Hollywood who gets paid to look as good as he can. You know, I've said it many a times. If if my company said, Ken, we will pay you ten million dollars to look good, I would look awesome. <laughs> well, that's kind of Hadley. They don't care. You know the guy who I thought looked good in this movie was Jean Claude Van Damme. He did. Yes. Okay. He was cut. I want to talk about him later in this show. And again, guys, remind me because I do this all the time. I'll bring something up and then I forget about it halfway through the show. But I do want to mention him because, you know, back when he started in his heyday, uh, when he did Bloodsport, I watched, I, I have seen every friggin' Jean Claude Van Damme movie that there was. I'm not going to say I was a big fan of his, but it was one of those, if he was in a movie, I'd go watch it. I just liked that. I was in that whole martial arts thing. I liked that whole thing. And I just thought he was just kind of like this very wooden, horrible actor. Best performance ever. I'm sitting there watching this movie going, this is the guy that I was watching back in the 80s and 90s? Where the hell did this acting talent come from? When you talk about playing a bad guy oh my gosh he has to be the next bad guy in a bond movie he was so good in this i actually think probably the best performance of his career i'll agree he was a good villain oh my gosh and and as a matter of fact his character was named villain well he may return in expendables 3 as the twin brother of the villain clan there is rumor. And, yes. You know what? It would just go with a franchise because yeah. if they could just cram a few more tropes into these movies, <laughs> um, because I thought they hit them all. But you know what? You bring up the twin brother, and I forgot about the twin brother. We haven't seen the twin brother in a while in a movie. I forgot about that trope. Thank you, Mark. My pleasure. And the best part about that is there was actually a twin brother trope when he actually was in Double Impact when he played himself. There you have it. And he was twin brother in that, so there you go. Uh So like I said, see, I know my Jean-Claude Van Damme movies. I've seen them all. It's it's, it's nothing to be proud of. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I mean, I thought it was great. When when I realized that he was in this, I'm like, oh, gosh, is he going to be part of the team? When I realized he was on the bad guy side, I'm like, how is this going to work? And then when you see it, you're like, holy crap, he's He's really, not only is he playing the part, you could actually see he's really enjoying playing the part. It's like, wow, there's a dark side of this dude. I mean, do you know the story about why he wasn't in the first one or why he was in the second one? Uh, I, I read something briefly, but I don't remember what what it was. I mean, he was asked to be in the first one. You know, I, so I think Stallone wanted him to be in it, and and he just he thought it was going to be too silly and too hokey. And when the first one was, well, I guess I'm going to call it successful. 
um, I guess he reached back out and said, yeah, you know, he would like to be in, in the, you know, in the movie. And I think, I don't know if that was when they decided to cast him as a villain or not, but you know, he was looked at for the first movie because they were trying to just stock it with anybody they could get um, down the Stasia lane and and just have a good time. But um, <clears throat> he wasn't feeling it because, you know, Jean-Claude sort of has a reputation for being, wow, what do I want to call him? An asshole? <laughs> and... So all hate mail to Jeff Muncy at man. I'm sorry. You know, it, it's it's just it, it's just his nature. But um, so he was playing to type in the movie. Maybe he was. Saying. Maybe he was. That's all I'm saying. Well, I mean, I'm I, again. I don't know the guy from Adam. I mean, I've just seen him in movies and stuff like that. I've always enjoyed his movies. Like I said, it's it's beer and pretzel stuff. So. But I just thought this was so against type for him, and he did it so well. I was just like, well, well, it could be like you said, Jeff. Maybe this is just the way he is. I don't think that's the way he is. I think that's what Jeff says the way he is. So, you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, don't take my do at, not take my word for it. <laughs> you can go out there on the internet and find the the. These articles on it, but I'm going to have you go and find it out and then call him an asshole for yourself. Mr. Van Dam, if you would like to go Wookiee on Mr. Muncie and dislocate his shoulders, by all means. You know what? I'll tell you what, Mr. Van Dam. I got a walker here, and if you can get past my lime shovel, bring it, mofo. And so it begins. I will make a prediction. Again, I think we do need to give credit to all the actors in this movie, because this, that's what this movie is about. But if Jean-Claude Van Damme does take up Jeff's challenge, and he does come into Jeff's lair, <laughs> I can assure you that if he says, I'm out of ammunition, Jeff, I know you've got ammo, but let's go mano a mano, Jeff's going to say, uh, no. Bang, Screw bang, bang, you. Bang, bang, bang. <laughs> that's because that's what the smart person does, right? <laughs> that's one of ah, we'll get to one of my many issues with this movie here in a little bit. We, we go, on, talk go on, go on. The actors, okay. no, this isn't a let's movie about, about scenery or script or plot. This is a movie about seeing these actors from the good old days together again. Okay, that said though, Steve, give the IMDb plot summary so at least we have a framework around which to attempt to review this movie. Right. Okay, for those of you who have seen Expendables 1, uh, Mr. Church, who is played by Bruce Willis, and he is a CIA um, big shot, uh, he reunites the Expendables, which is Sylvester Stallone's team, for what should be an easy paycheck. But when one of their men is murdered on, a, on the job, their quest for revenge puts them deep in enemy territory and up against an unexpected threat. Yeah, well, I guess that's all right. Um I, I mean, again, folks, this is one of those movies where it's just a matter of, uh, you know, Slice alone. He's running a mercenary outfit, and they're out to get uh, these uh, nuclear codes uh, for uh, some. Uh, was it nuclear codes? Was that or no? no? They, were, they wanted the codes to get into a nuclear vault. Right, codes to get in a nuclear vault, and or a plutonium vault. I'm sorry. Yeah. Weapons grade plutonium. So it's a, right. it's a MacGuffin. It's just there to give him something to go after. Kazoon type. 
MacGuffin. Is that Scottish? Uh, do it. Get it done. Well, do it. it could be. Could be Go American. Ahead, no, no, Steve, by all means, make yourself happy. Because MacGuffin, because it sounds Scottish, because of it's all Scottish as crap. Do you feel better? Cigar? No, I'm good. Actually, you know what? I have cigars upstairs. I'm going to have one after the show. Um, this is one of those movies that they just brought in the ensemble cast. Um, unlike the first one, there were guys that came in like for like two or three seconds, and then they would go. And guys like uh, uh, you know Bruce Willis was there for a brief period. Arnold came in for a brief period. Uh, a couple other people like um, oh shit, uh, Chuck Norris. Mickey Rourke, and the, and boom, you never saw him again. This one, the only one that was in this one that was not in the first one was Mickey Rourke. He wasn't in this one. But you've got Sylvester Stallone, Jason Statham, Jet Li, who was in it very briefly, but boy, did he make an appearance. Uh, Dolph Lundgren, Chuck Norris, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Bruce Willis, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Terry Crews. Um, and I'll tell you what, that dude, holy crap. You know, the dude is a year older than me, almost by a day, and man, if I could look like him now, good lord. Who's that? Terry Crews. He, he was oh, a- yeah. I mean, that guy's huge. Hey, big boy. Uh, you got Randy Couture. Uh, he used to be a wrestler, and you could tell by the, the one ear that looks like a cabbage on the side of his head, but, uh, you know, the guy was a total badass in this movie. And then you've okay, got... He really uh, did, like, mixed martial arts and all. Yeah, he did that, and then you had... Uh, uh, Liam Hemsworth, uh, who played, uh, he's one of the Hemsworth brothers. He played Billy the Kid, who I actually kind of liked him in this role. Now, it's kind of sad to see him um, uh, leave so abruptly, but you know what? It was going to happen. Um, he was too much of a pretty boy for that group. So, And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit in, in the show. I kind of had some issues with his, uh, with the whole fact that, okay, you left the Army for the reasons that you explained on the plane, and then, okay, so you joined the mercenary group? Oh, that makes sense. That being said, uh, moving on. Look, if you're trying to if you're trying to overlay logic <laughs> to any part of this movie, you really need to back off the crack pipe, okay, pal? I agree. And last but not least, you have uh, Nan Yu, who played Maggie, who I'm sure, uh, I'm thinking Jeff had to have an IV hooked up with a defib kit sitting by him when he when he. I mean, notice when you said her name, his eyes sort of rolled back in his head. He got a glazed look. When I first said her name, I, he left the thing and then just came back, and now he's eating Cheetos. I'll be in my bunk. <laughs> so I don't know. A little crunch. No, it was. I tell you what, I I like this movie because you know what? Unlike the first one. Like Mark said, didn't make any pretensions of like what it was going to be. It was just going to be that good old-fashioned action movie that you would have probably saw from the 80s of unstoppable superhero-type guys just going through. And I'll tell you what, this is the first movie I think I saw where you actually saw a lot of the... Um, they, they got rid of the whole, uh, you know, we're just going to put a whole bunch of guys in blood packs. We're just going to do it all CGI. Did you notice that? I think so. There was a lot of CGI in this movie. A lot of it. Uh, Every airplane shot. Oh, yeah. The, the airplane shot on the water. A lot. Uh, yeah, that it was noticeable. I say it was bad. It was just noticeable. Into the oh. mine shaft. Well, yeah, but they did. I think I did. I'll get back to the characters, though. They gave everybody, all the all the good guys had their, you know, moment to shine. Their, their, their little scene where they got to do their thing. 
I mean, for example, again, you know, Jet Li was only there in the beginning, but I love that scene in the kitchen where he's fed it off like five hostile agents with just pots and pans and kitchen utensils. Wasn't that great? And it's just you just hear this that twanging sound when he's hitting them with the with the iron skillets. That's awesome. You know, and my favorite of all of those tropes is because I just was howling throughout it, is the magical appearance of the lone wolf, Chuck Norris, with a straight face delivering the line about the cobra biting him, and five days later it dies. I howled, because you're right, everything about this movie is, we're going to play to every trope in the action hero movie book, and we're going to let every actor have his moment. And it's fun because it's just it's nostalgia and goofy goofy action hero movie shit. Mm-hmm. Is it great? Is it good movie? It's a fun movie, but is it a great piece of cinema? No, it, it's a nostalgia flick. To be honest, like I mentioned beforehand, the reader, the, I keep saying the readers, the listeners didn't hear me earlier. We were talking amongst ourselves, but this movie, in a lot of ways, to me was like. Pacific Rim. You know, Jeff and I went and saw Pacific Rim, and what did we want to see? We wanted to see giant robots and giant monsters. And it gave us giant robots and giant monsters. If you go and turn this movie on, you're turning it on to see 80s and 90s, you know, the guy, the action heroes of your youth mixing it up again and beating the bad guys. And it delivers. I do have to say this about Chuck Norris, though. I was a little disappointed because, you know, they gave they hyped Chuck Norris. I was looking to see Chuck Norris as a, as a key member of the team, but you got to admit that for most of this movie, he was missing in action. Oh, ooh, yeah, but his um, beard definitely had the Grecian formula. And the thing about this movie is, if you don't, if you haven't figured it out, just look at the names of the characters. I mean, Dolph Lundgren is Gunnar Jensen, Chuck Norris is Booker, and in reference to his good guys wear black John T. Booker. <laughs> Jean-Claude Van Damme is Gene Villain, villain. Bruce Willis is Church. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger's name. It is one of the best movie names. Trench <laughs> Mauser. <laughs> you couldn't ask for a better movie. Trench Mauser. Schwarzenegger's opening line. You know, they oh. pull the bank off his head. It's like, oh, this is embarrassing. It's like, well, you know, you're, this is your movie comeback for being governor and taking that time off. You know, this is a, might be embarrassing, but hey, it's what it is. You know, and I only hope I look half as good when someone beats me with a piece of, I don't know, four-inch diameter chain link. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. He looked about as good. I mean, didn't the guy in a commando hit him with chain link and it did about the same? Yeah, pretty much. But, you know, that, you know, that said, Ken... That's really what this movie is. It, it's an upscale version of Commando and movies like it. It's not Predator. Well, no, it's not Predator. I mean, I don't I don't think the intent of this movie was that they were trying to make this a serious action movie. I, th- I think they were trying to couple it with a serious action movie with those 80s tropes of the type of people that were there. Like, for example, the, the, you know, the whole thing when Chuck Norris comes in and saves the day. That's all that. 
shit, I don't remember what they call it, but it was a big deal in World of Warcraft. You know, it's like Chuck Norris is the biggest badass in the world, and, you know, they bring all those <laughs> yeah. Chuck Norris things in, and, and they even bring in this movie, and it's just like everybody gets like a chuckle out of it. This is not one of those you-have-to-take-it-serious movies. It's not. You're there to watch. It's beer and pretzels. You have a good time. You get to see... You know some, you know some decent performances from some characters, some of the usual performance from, you know, from others. Again, I'll go back to Jean Claude Van Damme, just completely out of character. Never saw that performance coming, and it was like, holy cow, you wasted that performance on this movie. You should have been, you should have been the ultimate bad guy in a Bond movie or something. He was so good in that. And I'll just say it right now, I think he overperformed everybody. I thought he was that good, seriously. Uh, you know, everybody else is kind of wooden doing their whole thing, and he was just completely out of his element, and was great. That's I'm I'm just throwing that out there right now. I know. No, we'll I would agree with you. I he he got to be the villain, and the villain gets all the all the over the top scenery chewing scenes. Mm-hmm. So he has, and he got he had. I I was shocked. I'm like you. I'm like that can't be Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah. The, the man's got the acting range between a redwood and an oak. <laughs> Holy cow. <laughs> He's going to kick my ass now, Muncie. He's going to kick my ass. I'm keeping my mouth shut. I was, was laughing. A... I was having an asthma attack. Uh, Mr. Van Dam, don't hurt me. Continue. He does a great job as a villain, and as uh, Steve is commenting on, he looks great. That guy, is, he's, he's buff. He's cut. He's he's in good shape. i got to hand it to him. Well, the guy's like 50... I think he was born like 52. He's 52 years old. So I will say this much. And I'll say this about a couple of people. Um, Actually, it was him and, um, well, Stallone. God, seriously, what the hell are you doing with the plastic surgery? Well, Dolph Lundgren and Mickey Rourke look like they went to the same plastic surgeon. Well, I don't know. What the hell did Dolph Lundgren do? I mean, Dolph, I mean, did he actually get plastic surgery done or is he just like aging? Because I have no idea how old that dude is. He's old. Now, I know Mickey Rourke is, I mean, he looks like a science project that just didn't go right. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy, look what I created out of a test tube. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh, Play-Doh. Lundgren is 55. He's 55. So, okay. Well, I mean, I I don't... I'll put that in context. I'm 55. I I think, I, I, I say without fear of contradiction... I look better than Dolph Lundgren, and he's a damn yes, movie star. You do, yeah. I mean, I mean, face wise and everything. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm not gonna. I mean, I'll rustle you before. Oh, I mean, my face, my face, my body, maybe not. My face, yes. Holy shit, that guy's six five. Yeah, he's, he's a big boy. He's got like. Why, why don't you Why don't you toss out some insults to him too, and the whole posse <laughs> can come here and kick your ass. <laughs> no, you're on your own there, Chief. I'm not touching that guy. But, you know, real quick, the thing I liked about Dolph Lundgren's character was he play, he provided some fun comic relief in this movie. Oh, absolutely. Well, I mean, to a point, they all did. I mean, that was it was it was just a bunch of guys sitting around having a good time, joking and kicking ass. Um, who was the uh, who was the big guy that um, uh, the big black guy? Um, oh, Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar, yes. Great. Terry Crews. Terry Crews. Um, I mean, it, it is a, 
the, the, aside from the explosions and the ass kicking they do, the only other thing that overshadows it is all the one-liners that they're all trying to give throughout the movie. You know, every movie, you know, all the Schwarzenegger movies always had one classic one-liner. In this movie, they tried to get everybody a classic one-liner. And some some worked, some didn't. Oh, I think most of it worked. Uh, I feel a lot of it was really forced. I just feel, especially the exchange between Schwarzenegger and uh, and Bruce Willis. Um, you know, it was, it was just kind of campy. I thought. Yeah. But the stuff that worked best was between Statham and Stallone. Well, Mark, that's because it's Statham. The dude can't right. do any wrong. Thank you. Well, I, there's one thing he does do wrong, which several people do wrong, is. Okay, you're elite commandos, you're rough, you're tough. What's the deal with wearing those damn hats they were wearing? They look like English retirees or something. (laughs) When? Are you talking about when they were in the field or when they were undercover? They were undercover? When they were in the field. They had those funky little British, those hats that you expect to see on... The old jet sitting in the pub. <laughs> they oh, were, you mean the those, shooting hats? No, seriously, they were wearing those when they like were going into town. But when they were in the, I mean, when they had their commando kit on, I mean, it was like body armor and uh, berets. But otherwise, yeah, they were just kind of like mixing in with the rest of the uh, civilian population. It was like a night at the Oscars. I mean, there was a lot of wardrobe changes throughout the show. Yeah, I like. Yeah, it, it looked good. And of course. Although that blending in with the populace really worked when the one time they went into the populace, the populace kicked their ass because they stuck out like sore thumbs. <laughs> well, the populace actually didn't kick their ass. I've got a sound clip to prove it, so yeah, we'll get there. Hey, you know, Jason Statham did a fine job as a priest with <laughs> knives <laughs> and a... Well, I'll tell you what, man. He he was kicking some ass with that incense. Uh, sw- uh, it can't <laughs> just taking people out with that. And that was like a that was like a holy water sprinkler, you know. <laughs> a good incense dispenser is cast brass. Yeah. Those things have some heft to them. Believe me, I used to carry him. I I I was an altar boy for eight years of my life. Actually, well, that, that explains I'm, a lot. I'm telling you, those they were not light. And with that, with those hot coals in there, man, it's like a it's like a mace of uh, with plus four fire damage. <laughs> Is that like a World of Warcraft weapon? I'm telling you, it should be. If it's not, I might have to write that one in there. You would think that a cleric class character would get the incense of doom. The sensor of doom and waylaying. They should. If they don't, they should have it. Oh gosh. Um, Gosh, you know, back on track, Steve. I'm trying to. I'm trying to, but you know what? I I blame Muncie. It's all his fault. He brought up the Asian chick. Yeah. Hot. Speaking of which, Jeff, what did you think of Maggie? Um, Aside from the fact she was irrelevant. Really? (laughs) No, I'm just joking. I was Um, was like, how are you and what have you done with Jeff Muncie? No. You you know, she. uh, I wouldn't kick out of bed for eating crackers or anything, but they did a really good job of writing her into the script um, as far as the lines that they gave her and, you know, the, the back and forth that she would have with some of the guys. And, um, you know, there was that one exchange um, during one of the uh, the downtimes in the movie where we're trying to do some character development and, um, you know, we're talking about, 
you know, what they would like to have for their last meal. <laughs> you know, Dolph Lundgren looks over at her and says, I'd like to have Chinese for my last meal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, 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 she had a very good cringe factor going on there. But yeah, you know, I you know I thought it was a fun role to have in the show. I mean, you know, they, they've always had a female uh, counterpart that always worked its way in. It, you know, the, the the part that I have about irrelevant female roles is they're always used as the as the carrot to get the bad guy or the good guy to come and meet the bad guy and juke it out at the end. I mean, you know, that, that's when I really have a problem with a female role in a show. But she was just really part of the gang. You know, she was. Uh, just you know, one of the guys, and um, you know, you know, held her own and looked good doing. Yeah, you know, Jeff, you make a good point because she gave as good as she got. She understood she was with a bunch of guys, and they respected her. And I like the way they wrote that role because they respected her because she threw it right back at him. Yep, especially with Dolph Lundgren, she threw it right back at him, mm-hmm. and he loved it. Yeah, well, and there was that whole thing with Dolph Lundgren with the uh, uh, oh shit, what the hell was his name? Jet Li. In the early part of it, if you ever saw the first one, I mean, those two just went at each other. I mean, they just didn't like each other, and they just were always, you know, uh, you know, fighting and stuff like that. And I just like that one part at the end when, um, you know, after they rescue the Chinese billionaire and he, you know, Jet Li's poking up to him. And, and I remember Dolph Lundgren walks up to him and he goes, what am I going to do after you're gone? And he goes, well, I'm sure you'll find another minority to pick up. <laughs> and it just, like, jumps out, just leaves. <laughs> It's like, that's great. This is one of those movies that I think it's one of those generational things where guys from our age, our generation, you look at those because, you know, we grew up with a lot of these guys, you know, Stallone, Schwarzenegger. Um, all of them. Dolph Lundgren. Well, not even all of them. I mean, a lot of the guys, you know, you got Statham, Jet Li. Some of those guys are a little bit younger. I mean, they were, you know, basically in the late 90s, early 2000s. But a lot of the older characters, you know, Bruce Willis. Arnold, these are guys that we grew up with. I mean, we were teens, 20s. So to see these guys now in these roles is, it's one of those things where it's like, wow, you know, these guys can still do this stuff and they can still do it and it's still believable. You know, God, Chuck Norris is still doing, you know, doing this thing. And that whole scene, they're pinned down. There's 50, 60, uh, uh, of the of the gang guys out there shooting them down all of a sudden there's a tank coming in there and all of a sudden you just hear this you know gunfire and guys are just dying left and right and all of a sudden the rocket comes down takes out the tank and it's like shit who the hell did that and they all turn around and look and all of a sudden you hear the good the bad and the ugly soundtrack come in and you see chuck norris walking through the smoke just holding this m16 <laughs> it's like <laughs> I mean, it's just that, and, and it's tropish stuff like that. It's almost they're mixing a serious type of um, action movie with Hot Shots Part Two, almost. <laughs> but, Thank you. That's perfect. But that's you got, and I think I said it before. I think we need to do Hot Shots Part Two sometimes. Yes. It is a hoot. If you haven't and you seen and it, I saw that in the theater and. We hurt. We hurt. We laughed so hard. I caught that at the gym the other day on the treadmill, and I was just sitting there chuckling. I'm sure people are looking at me funny, like, what's that guy that's sitting there laughing about? But the thing of it is, is that they did that in this movie, but it worked. For whatever reason, it it actually made sense. I don't know why. I mean, yeah, there was a little bit of a cheese factor to it, but you, it, it kind of worked. But, you know, Steve, you raise a good point. They knew where the line was before you turned it into a complete 
parody where you had, you know, Leslie Nielsen, the, the <laughs> ghost of Leslie Nielsen, as Officer Frank Drebin appear. I mean, they they knew not to go that far, right? But still inject that into this series, and obviously it's successful because. You've got Expendables 1, you've got Expendables 2, and Expendables 3 is coming out next year. So they, they tapped into this wellspring of people like us who grew up with that stuff and still want to see them. Right. I was going to say, well, you know, we do want to see them. You guys were talking about people of our generation and what we'd seen in the 80s and 90s. And, they're, you know, and that's the... Uh, that's the audience that they're playing to. It's sort of, like, as Ken said, with the Pacific Rim. I mean, you know, there's a certain audience, and by the way, that that movie globally has made serious bank. Pacific Did it? Rim. Because I was, uh, it's, they, they were saying it was going to die at the box office. Well, it was one of those that really caught people off guard. Um, here in America, it did it did solidly. It almost made the money, and then it went global. And on the Pacific Rim over there. People came out like gangbusters, and um, they're already talking about a sequel. But anyway, this is what people want. And, and I think what makes this movie work is there is a huge nostalgia component to it. You know, this goes back to, you know, a lot of people's youth. Um, are you know when we were younger, you know it, it, we we remember those movies as, as much as we dog on Commando and um, Rambo and some of those, you know, movies it really it's still that that was a during a time where we we, we didn't maybe appreciate them but they they we don't appreciate them. i don't know what i want to say i don't say we don't appreciate them but at the time we thought they were great now we kind of look back and go they're kind of hokey and you know and and they're just kind of playing to that i mean it is a nostalgia feel that we get from it and it's a trip down memory lane and we're bringing everything we can back into it old one-liners from old movies um you know just you know every trope we can throw in here and it's it is meant for fun there's not to be any seriousness taken out of this movie it is just um uh, w- watching uh Chow Yun Fat and Hard Boiled just kill people for like an hour and a half, and that's all this is. Well, I want to make a, an observation. It occurred to me when I was doing my research, which is, let's flash forward twenty five years from now, and the the audience twenty five years from now, a bunch of forty five fifty year old guys sitting here going like, I want to see a movie that brings together all the action heroes of, like, 2013 together. And I'll go, like, oh, who would be in that movie? Like, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, and, you know, Ben Affleck, maybe. Will Smith is over the hill for it, but maybe. I mean, my thing was, I'm not trying to do the old get-off-my-lawn, you know, old geezer routine, although that's what it sounded like, but... In the 80s and early 90s, we had these guys that, yeah, they can still do it today. And what they're doing, there's a demand for putting them together. Is there a similar group today that 25 years from now, people are going to say, oh, let's get, you know, again, Matt Damon and Leonardo DiCaprio back together again for a big blockbuster. I, I just don't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I think the 80s... It was a special time because the, this type of movie was quote unquote groundbreaking, and I don't think you'll see it again anytime soon. It will reinvent itself, but not right away. 
So, no, I don't think you will see the 40-somethings 25 years in the future going, oh, yeah, I can't wait for insert Expendables title here with the existing metrosexual um, pablum heroes that we have nowadays. You never know. You never know. I just don't see it, but then again... You know, I'm gonna. I'm pretty much pretty soon gonna be in the brown shoes and madras plaid short set pretty soon. That's right. You know, Clint Eastwood did a good job in uh, Gran Torino of summing this all up. The old again, you can you can take the old coot, but you know he might be old, but you still don't mess with him. That's right. You know that that makes me wonder. Could they've got Eastwood in here somewhere? Eastwood's off in a world of his own. Yeah, he's he's completely off the genre. Jeff, the guys they have talked about that they want to get in the movies and who are interested, I was reading some of it, it just depends on their schedules, are guys like Nicolas Cage, John Travolta, Michael Bean, Kurt Russell, all those guys who did some sort of 80s movie. What about Steven Seagal? Steven Seagal, yeah. Steve Austin. Well, again, we I don't think we mentioned it during the podcast, but... Mila ho 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 bitch is set for the next uh, sequel to this. Yeah, we, right. yeah, we mentioned it, and I'll be there. I'll be camped out with tickets. So <laughs> two weeks in advance. <laughs> <laughs> when I was a little ten out there, people walked by going, "What are you doing?" His little Coleman stove. <laughs> well, if we, hey Mark, yeah, you know, if we if we go to see this. Sequel. If we go to see Expendables 3, but somehow we happen to coordinate our schedules, it's going to be just like Lord of the Rings. We're going to say, <laughs> Steve will say, I'm going to be there. And we're going to be standing outside going, where's Steve? Steve's not where's here. Steve? He's going to miss the movie. And then the movie, the doors are going to open and Steve's going to walk up. Well, well, hell, yeah, it's 9 o'clock now, but I've been here since 10 this morning. I've seen it five times already. <laughs> And you know what? And then you know the other thing that Steve will tell us. And anytime Sylvester Stallone shows up in the movie, you can go to the bathroom. <laughs> but if Mila Jovovich is on, don't miss it. Don't miss a frame. God damn right. She might take her shirt off. I, you can see well, amber waves of grain blowing on that chest. I think Sylvester Stallone's got more definition in that regard. I do have to make the observation. Although Mila has nothing to do with this movie we're reviewing and we're wasting our time. We think well, about, about, every, about every movie I've seen her in, she takes her clothes off to some degree and wraps herself up in like a napkin or police tape or something. Moist talent. And, and what's your point, Ken? I just think that shows the cutting edge acting that she's able to pull off. Let's get back to The Expendables 2. All right, we've talked about actors, or have we? We've talked about actors. Yeah, we've talked about pretty much all the actors in this movie. Uh, let's see. Um, let's see. The plot is just an excuse to make things blow up and have fight scenes. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, they're pretty much going up against uh, a, like a mafia gang that yeah. Um, yeah. called the Sings. I think they call them the Sings. The Sings. The Sings. Sings. They're tougher than the mafia gang in Next of Kin. I will give them that. Uh, well, that doesn't take much. Yes. Say the, the Smurfs were a little bit tougher than them. <laughs> you would know, Jeff. Wow. I, I would know. Would I you would pop a know. Smurf? Again, this is just one of those things where it was a it was a revenge retrieval type movie. 
I was just kind of like caught up in the whole gunfight scene and never yeah. really understood why towards the end why Sylvester Sloan tried to do a kamikaze dive with his plane. It was cool. There's a lot of things not to understand, but I think we have clearly said from the outset, do not try to rationalize this movie. Because you get things like the the fantastic trope of, well, there's two tropes wrapped in one. It was the um, put down your weapons or I'll kill him, and so we'll put down our weapons, but I'm not going to kill you because of the honor between fighting men, um, but I'm going to kill him. And then that will leave you to uh, want to hunt me down and kill me. And, you know, it, we've seen that play out a bazillion times in shows. Put down your weapons and I won't kill you. Bullshit. You know what? I'm, I'm not putting my, my freaking weapon down. And either you pull or I'm going to pull because if I lay it down, you're going to kill me because there's no reason to keep me alive. The only reason to keep, and the only reason you would keep them alive is so they can hunt you down and kill you. Which again, we've seen this trope a bazillion times. And the other part of that is this team for being elite mercenaries is the most communications incompetent and security incompetent bunch of badasses you could ever ask for. These guys couldn't find a perimeter with both hands, and they've obviously never heard of walkie-talkies, let alone headsets. And, you know, okay, that's fine. It's just, but there are some moments where I'm like, oh, God, at least make the attempt. Oh, I agree. I mean, and Steve, I I, I totally agree. We're we're going to have the, we're going to have the uh, airplane, uh, you know, trying to land inside a cave. And it's excess for the sake of it. And by that point, it's like, why not? Why not? Yes, you should do exactly that. Because if you don't, I'll be disappointed. I've got a question, too. I'm a little off. What would you say was the size of the gun and the nose of that plane Sylvester has? Is that like a 75, a 105? 105. No, I'd say short 75. One I 155. I'm thinking it's a it's a reconverted 105. Really? Short 105. That's sort of what I'm leaning toward. I think that's a punch. Yeah. When it hit, when it hit. And when and whenever we're making the uh, the bridge across the lake to our uh, Temple of Doom, let's not have it filled with containers that are ex- apparently explosive whenever a uh, incendiary device um, makes contact with it, um, because that bridge went up like uh, a Christmas tree in uh, in National Lampoon's Christmas Story. Um, the expendables in the first one, I, I was confident that they and convinced that they um, were trying to go for the most pointless explosions and irrational explosions in a movie set. I mean, the explosions never ended, and all the fighting had died down and, and gone away, and things were just exploding everywhere. And, and that's just one other thing, but uh, it was just, it's the, are we going to make it over the dam? Can we get it up? Can we get it up? And I thought, you know, you have to pull back on the stick. You know, you can't will the plane to go over the dam, you dumbass. <laughs> but, but you know, just, Jeff... The thing is, I thought the opening scenes were the climax of the movie. That was the better action scenes of, of the entire movie, was the raid into the stronghold. Yeah, you would almost have thought that that would have been at the end of the movie. Yes. Because it was slightly better than the shootout at the uh, OK Airport. <laughs> and what I love is apparently bad guys, what they do is they get 
the biggest group of misfits they can together who like congregate in a big group and then stand out in the open while firing their weapons wherever they go. From the hip. Blindly. From the hip. Um, mass together so uh, we can uh, we can take you out even though there's a you know some sort of uh, cover that you could easily get behind um, but my favorite trope of all time is um, um, aside from the screeching tires um, at an intersection with all four uh, cars convening in the middle of the intersection together um, is the I'm going to throw my knives at you while you have your guns leveled at me and ready to shoot me while you wait for me to kill you with my knife that I will throw from 50 feet away. my One of my favorite tropes of all time. <laughs> Sean Connery would have something to say about that. Would he? What would he say? Uh, don't bring a knife to a gunfight. <laughs> Thank you. But in this case, the, you know, do bring a knife to a gunfight, because apparently um, the bad guys will stand there waiting for you to uh, hit them right in the uh, Adam's apple with the, uh, with the knife that you will throw. Um, as you approach them, it's it's great. Well, they'll also throw their guns down to give you a fighting chance going mano a mano. Well, yeah. I mean, wouldn't we all? No. Not me. Not me. No. I'm staying in my ground. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right, guys. A um, little bit of trivia on this one. Glad this one didn't happen. Taylor Lautner was considered for the role that went to Liam Hemsworth. He was oh, okay. oh you don't know who Taylor Lautner is? Doesn't ring any of them. Yeah, well he was uh, he was like one of the werewolf dudes in uh, one of the uh, Twilight. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, I like this uh, a real railway bridge over the river Osam in Bulgaria was built for the film and will remain as part of the railway network. So there you go. Wow. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Shot his role in five days, one week prior to beginning the work on The Last Stand. Which, have you guys seen that? Which one? The Last Stand. No. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's ridiculous like this, but it's fun. Uh, let's see. Uh, this is interesting. I. It's one of those things where you, when you read this, uh, some of the trivia, and you realize, you know, making movies is a dangerous business. Uh, a stuntman died, and another was left in critical condition while filming an action scene for the movie in Bulgaria that included an explosion on a rubber boat. Oh, when they're trying to, at the opening of the movie, when they're trying to get out? Yep, I bet that's what it was. And that was, you know, that was some uh, interesting scenery when they were showing the, uh, well, of course, the impossible sniper shots that the, uh, how he was in the Army, what, three years, and he's mm-hmm. making those sniper shots. I don't think so. I don't even think Carlos Hathcock can make the shots that that kid was making, but I digress. Bulgaria is where they make a whole lot of those sci-fi extravaganzas that we've talked about between ourselves, not so much here. I wouldn't mind going to Bulgaria. I'd like to see that country. It sounds interesting. Actually, it's supposed to be very pretty and scenic and you know, old castles and that's what I've heard. Your dollar, your dollar goes a long way, which is why Sci-Fi built a studio there to film all their cheapo exploitation movies. I wouldn't believe it. I mean, it looks like a pretty country. Uh, let's see. Sylvester Stallone wrote and starred in this installment, unlike his uh, duties in previous installments as actor, co-writer, and co-producer. So there you go. Uh, I like this. This is good. While filming in Bulgaria, Al Schwarzenegger went in his role of a politician and met with the Bulgarian Prime Minister, awarding him with the sword of Conan the Barbarian. The 
latest version of that film starring Jason Momoa as Conan was also shot in Bulgaria. And guys, you know what? I want to get that on the list. We have to do that as a remake, and I have things to say about that movie. Oh, God, really? Do we? Okay, maybe not. If it's going to make your head hurt, that's all right. I thought it was going to make his head explode. Oh he did, I, I saw his head pulsating, and he was holding it. All right. Oh my. God. All right, never mind. It's like an episode of Scanners. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is... Jean- I feel like Michael Ironsides. My brain's going to explode. Sylvester Stallone asked Chuck Norris to include a reference to the Chuck Norris facts, a popular internet theme. Uh, Norris's wife, Gina, suggested him that uh, she should do one with the Cobra. Chuck Norris was bitten by a cobra, and after five days of excruciating pain, the cobra died. So there you go. Invented by his wife. Good for him. Or her, I should say. Uh, let's see. The film reveals that Gunnar Jensen, who is played by Dolph Lundgren, has an advanced degree in chemical engineering. This is a reference to Lundgren himself, who has a master's degree in chemical, chemical engineering, because I can't say it right the first time. The character abandoned his career as a scientist to work as a bouncer in order to impress a girl. In real life, Dolph Lundgren turned it down to work as a bodyguard for his then-girlfriend, Grace Jones. Grace Jones? Wow. Grace Jones. The yep. reason, One of the many reasons Conan the Destroyer sucks. God, no, there's... There, <laughs> oh, one of the many. One? Well, there's one. Uh, there's many reasons that movie sucks. Yeah, and she's probably like down at like 975 of the movie. Still, she makes the list. Yeah. Uh, Gina Carano was considered for the role of Maggie. Yes! D- D- Jeff, do you know oh. who that is? Oh, my God. Isn't she? <laughs> I mean, did you see the movie? Did you see the same movie I did? Haywire. Oh. Haywire. Oh, my God. Haywire. Mm-hmm. Oh my God! You know what? We may have to actually review this movie at some point. Um, no, maybe. Let's just do it. So no, we, we have to do this movie. She's wow. She's. Oh. I'm I'm wandering off to the internet to look up Gina Carano. Oh. I, I I think Jeez. I know who you're talking. It's two R's, correct? One R. She is. Um. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. will repeat. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all on the same page. Enough said. Yeah, we could have. Uh, she yeah, can we, kick my ass, and I'd be happy getting yeah. kicked. Yeah, I, was yeah, say, I, yeah. I watched her in MMA for uh, in a couple of fights, and it just it, hook, wow. line, and sinker. Uh, moving on, tennis player Novak Djokovic, and my apologies to any of my uh, Serbian, Czechoslovakian, or Slovak friends if I pronounce that wrong. Filmed a cameo for the airport shootout for free. However, his scene was cut, and that scene involved him attacking terrorists with his tennis racket. Why did they cut that? That would have been awesome. Are you, Are you kidding me? me? Oh, that's in the trivia. That would have been, that would have been awesome. <laughs> this guy's out there whacking guys with his tennis racket. I mean, seriously, how cool would that have been? In that, and Jet Li can do it with kitchen utensils. Tennis racket's just the next step. I mean, seriously, you can't. I mean, you know how hard it is to break the net on a test, right? You know what? Then, then, then let Tiger on there with a uh, with a, a three wood. Um, Actually, no. Let Tiger's ex on there uh, with right. Tiger wielding him around like a club. 
Now you put Tiger in there with like a four iron, he'd be he'd be de- devastating. Uh, let's see. I like this part. I like this thing. Uh, Sylvester Stallone explained that his casting was uh, looking particularly for actors who had not experienced recent hits. I like using people that had a moment and then may have fallen on some hard times and giving them another shot. I like those kind of guys. Someone did it for me, and I want to do it for them. And you know, I like that. good for him. Good for yeah. him. Yeah, that's the, this is a guy that. And I mean, I always looked at Stallone and Schwarzenegger, those kind of guys. It's like you know what? I'm going to help somebody out. I mean, I always kind of saw them as that point. And that's if that's really true. I mean, you know, kudos for uh, for Sly. I always like Stallone. I mean. Love all those movies. Moving on. Uh, let's see. All right, guys. That is it with trivia. So you know what we got to go on to. Uh, gentlemen, what are we drinking tonight? Mr. Roney, start us off, sir. Hey, usual. Vanilla vodka. Diet Coke. Awesome. No umbrella. No umbrella. Nothing in a glass. Just awesome. ice. Get, get it as a sound clip and just press play. No. Well, I, I shake it up once in a while. And I've got a special secret. I've actually been able to acquire some ingredients that I plan to uh, put together something special with for a future podcast. Oh, because you remember, he he never likes to leave his house unless he's going to a sunny beach where they have drinks with little straw hats. <laughs> where he can say, but where's all the rum gone? But where's all the rum gone? All right, Mr. Muncie, what do you got there, sir? I am drinking, I'm drinking a classic, Steve. Drinking a classic tonight. It's the uh, it's from the uh, great people at, at Founders. Ooh! I have their porter. That I think that's that maybe all I need to say. It um, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot of ooh and ahs and you know surprisingly this thing is at six and a half percent. I'm pretty happy with that. Pretty happy yeah. with that. You know the thing about Founders is it's not cheap, but it is well worth the money. Mm-hmm. It is always well worth always. the money. Always. It is well worth it. To our listeners, you may balk and you go, holy crap, that's a lot of money to spend on beer. Founders is arguably some of the finest beer you will ever drink. Wouldn't you guys agree? Absolutely. Yes. Where, where's Founders out of? Um, that that one town over in that one state. And just Somewhere down the road. Um, <laughs> and beside uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Oh. You know, I'm telling you, what we've got to do, guys, is we have to take like a like an extended weekend, and we need to we need to we need to cruise over to Hoppin' Frog in Ohio. We need to cruise up to Michigan to a few breweries down, up there, like and, Bells uh, and Founders. And then and then come come back and stop at Steve's Sun King. Ooh, yeah, we should actually just go those things and just do a podcast right there. I, you know what, I you I might bet be able to get free booze out of it. I'm sure they'd give us one drink, right? Probably. Hey, Jeff, Jeff, what was the alcohol content on that? 6.5. Thank you. (laughs) Mr. Slover, what do you got? Uh, A classic, tried and true, can't go wrong. Bass, pale ale. Nice. Almost almost picked up a, no, it was a black and tan, never mind. just a good old bass ale. They're great. Can't beat them. Bass is always good. Uh, guys, I am actually having one, and I've never had it before. Uh, I've had the um, I've had the stout, but I am drinking a, a St. Peter's cream stout, and um, 
Oh, oh yeah, St. Peter's, good brewery. St. Peter's, it's uh, from, our, from our good cousins across the channel. Um, God bless you guys, because you know what? The Brits make good beer. Uh, I'm, I'm enjoying this because it's it's cool out here right now, and I'm enjoying the remnants, as you can see, of the Scream Stout. And um, I really like it. I, For the life of me, I do not know what the alcohol content on it is, but I'm figuring it's probably, um, oh gosh, I have no idea what the alcohol content on this thing, so I'm not even going to give me a Woutini or anything on it, so the hell with it. All right, folks, that is it with uh, Brother What You Drinking, so you know what we have been imbibing with tonight. So now it is time for Clips. Clips, our favorite part of the show. Uh, let's see. Uh, number one, I have these in no particular order, so I'm just going to play them and enjoy. I need a weapon, something big. Yours. Whoa, 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 whoa. My big weapon's hanging right where it is. Come on, Caesar, you got to back up. I don't get this back. Your ass is terminated. In your dreams. <laughs> See, there you go. There's there's some of that tropish shit right there. Your ass is terminated. Really? Okay. But you know what? It worked. It worked. You, you didn't have him. Didn't mention that he comes to rescue it, riding the mining device from Total Recall. Did you? I mean, I kind of like that. The what? Come back. He, Nice yeah, touch. Yeah, it was a nice rescues him when he comes in with the mining crawler from Total Recall. Oh yep. my God! Yes. Yeah. God, can that? That's yep. right. Yep, he does. Nice, awesome. The only way they could have improved that scene is have the three boobed girl pop out. Ashes. <laughs> that and the three armed alien dude. And if somebody could have just gone through a window, that would have been the hat trick. All right, uh, next clip. Uh, let's see. I have no idea what the hell this one is. Believe it or not, before Gunner became chemically unbalanced, she went to MIT and had a master's degree in chemical engineering. The city had actually had a brain. You believe that? What happened? He quit to be a bouncer. I wanted to get close to this girl who dashed at this disco. And I can't believe she dumped you. Wouldn't you? I would, yeah. <laughs> That's the line from... Uh, when he ended up uh, actually giving up his career as a chemical engineer to get with Grace, Grace Jones. Wow. I didn't know that about him. Yeah, actually, in real life, Dolph Lundgren gave up her career in chemical engineering to uh, be uh, Grace Jones' uh, body, uh, bodyguard. Cause they were he's got, yeah, he's got like a master's degree or something. Yeah, he went to MIT. Yeah. Everything you heard was pretty much what happened to him. Yeah. I mean, he, That was all biographical. Uh, well, he did team up in with Brigitte Nielsen and probably his high point of his 80s career. Yeah, so did Sylvester Stallone, so. Well, that's true. Yeah. Totally teamed up. Yeah. He took, a, he took it to the nth degree. Of course. And All he right. chose poorly. Yeah, of course. <laughs> All right. Great quote by Jean-Claude Vadem. Now what? We're both fighting men. And I respect that. And fighting men, they don't deserve to be killed like ships. So there you go. Like ships? Like, like, <laughs> like ships. Like ships? So, so basically, yeah, he, he says uh, fighting men do not deserve to be killed like sheep. So I'm going to take this fighting man here and kill him like a sheep. <laughs> 
<laughs> Look at you. I think he was trying to make a point. Um, I, I had to get this clip because it makes sense when um, when I um, introduce Mark to the uh, to the show. Lie down with your face on the ground until we leave. Don't challenge me. Now, don't lie down with your fist on the ground. No, with your fist on the ground and don't challenge me. Do you know what challenge means? Don't change him like a baby or something, like diaper. <laughs> Is that like a chia pet? <laughs> We've lost all of our Belgian and Flemish listeners. I apologize <laughs> for my... Don't chia pet me. <laughs> okay, I don't like chia pets. <laughs> don't smear that stuff on my head. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even have one. <laughs> that what green shit's sprouting out. <laughs> All right, let's see. I have absolutely no idea what the hell this one is. You really don't know what you were doing this podcast, do you? <laughs> no, I just, I, I just, I don't know what that is. I don't know where I'm at. What am I doing? All right, number six. He's tired. Anybody else tired? Oh yeah, that was. I'm tired. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> How many vowels in the word tired? <laughs> All right, let's see. I better shut up, or the muscles from Brussels will come and beat my ass too. When it's <laughs> you guys, I've been standing in clear till now. I'll shut up. Probably a good idea. You know, me, Ken, me, and you might be okay after this. These two, I don't know. Well, All right. Like I said, if, if John Claude Van Damme shows up and says, like, you know, let's fight this man, man to man, with our hands and our feet, I will say, I will fight you with my gun. Bang. <laughs> <laughs> my gun, my knife. Yeah, it my was my skillet, my frying pan. <laughs> that, that skillet was frying pan. <laughs> Anything that was okay. done best in Raiders of the Lost Ark, where yeah, you know, the guy and with the whip, or no, the guy with the uh, scimitar, and uh, Indiana Jones just you know pulls out his gun and shoots him. It, it, it you know it's what we all know is the right thing to do. Right. All right. This is a scene when they roll up to the uh, the bar where the, uh, the, uh, the 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 sings or the sangs or whatever the hell the gang is, and they were going to go in there, and this is the uh, the setup. No shooting. Classics. Yeah. I've been dying to use these. We'll beat the truth out of them. All right. Um, I'm just going to throw this one out here because I know everybody is. Uh, Wanting this show over. Oh, no. <laughs> what? Why are you yelling? Because you're doing a shit job, that's why. I'll shoot you in the face when I see you. Where are you? The 60-year-old death trap you call a plane. <laughs> <laughs> and I just love the names of everybody in this movie. It's like Jason Statham, his name is Christmas. Really? I mean, it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a pole dancer from... You know, Strip bar down the street. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. Number nine. I label this, they've got a tank. Where the hell are you? I'm almost dead. What's going on? Are those shots? Yeah. What's happening? The tank's got us pinned down. Can you hold him off? Yeah, maybe with a tank. Oh, shit. What? They got a tank. <laughs> Of course they do. At least it's not raining. (laughs) 
you know, that's all they needed to do was to actually have it start raining in the movie. That would have been perfect. Oh, oh gosh. Yeah, yeah. And and there are moments in this movie where Statham just reminds me of Turkish. Yes. From Snatch. Yep. Because you gave me this shit job. Oh, gosh. Uh, let's see. Number 10. This is actually after they met uh, Chuck Norris. Heard another rumor that you were bitten by a king cobra. Yeah, I was. But after five days of agonizing pain, the cobra died. <laughs> the only person who has an acting range smaller than Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> yeah, Chuck Norris is like 72 years old. He did okay in this movie. You know what? It's just when Jean-Claude's acting had gone up, yeah. Chuck Norris's had gone down. Yeah. It was almost like he's. It was almost like he's on Saturday Night Live reading cue cards off stage. <laughs> Jean Claude was great in this movie. I, I've taken nothing. I didn't take oh, anything away no. from Jean Claude. I'm talking no. about um um in uh, general. Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah. Right. I'm saying he, it looked like he was reading cards off stage. Um, not I had nothing. I'm not dogging Jean Claude at all. Did a great job. Mr. Norris, uh, any complaints? Uh, any complaints? Thanks um, to uh, Jeff Muncy at. Uh, <laughs> all right. Last, like, I, like I said, people come to this movie wanted to see Chuck Norris in a movie shooting people and blowing things up. And he they, did. Yeah, they got I'm it. happy. All right, last clip. Who you are? We're Americans. Since when? Swedish. Blackbird. Chinese. Retards. You done? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Retards. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Okay, that's it with clips. <laughs> Sorry, folks. I mean, we've just been having fun with this movie. <laughs> All right, we're done with that one. So it's now time to move on to the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. Number one, did anyone jump out of a window? Shot through, blown through. Yeah, especially during the uh, airport scene. A lot of people getting shot through windows. All right, so we can uh, we can check that one off. Uh, number two, was there a relevant female role in the movie? No, there was not. No. No. All right. Could the uh, female role be better played by Tony Katane? No. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Jeff, I will argue that point with you because, hell, we're calling everybody else back for their, with their AARP cards. Oh, <laughs> you know what? Oh, yeah. Sustained. I <laughs> I now jump to you guys. Yes, yes, Tawny Katane could have done a better job. And she still looks good. I mean she could I'm not gonna say she'd do a better job, but she could do the job for this movie. Because it's, that's what this movie is all about. Yep. Especially if her job consisted of singing on the hood of a car. Actually she could have been singing on the hood of a tank. That would be better. Ooh. Or she could have been draped over the. She could have been the Christmas gift on the airplane. Remember, it had that Santa motif. Mm-hmm. Or straddling the gun. Oh, she could have just had a bow around her. There you go. There yep. you go. See, we've already we've already written a better script. Expect more. Yeah. Tawny, where are you at? You got to sign it. Where's your agent? Uh, let's see. Uh, did this movie know what it wanted to do? Absolutely. Hell yeah. God, yeah, I mean it was it was awesome. Muncie, bring it out. Come on, spit it out. I, no, I, it 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 no, it knew what it wanted to do. It wanted to put forth a uh, 
uh, a, a nostalgia piece that um, everybody could enjoy and relive the glory days, which is what these guys are doing. It's just reliving the glory days. No, it's uh, totally, uh, totally fine. Okay. Ken, thoughts? No. Chef uh, said it well. All right. Uh, last. Oh, not not last, but. Um, Let's see. Uh, did George Lucas steal any part of the movie for Star Wars? I don't know. I think Jean-Claude Van Damme was um, Count Dooku in this one. Thinking. No? Shut up. Just move on. Don't quit reaching. Yeah, we'll just stop right there. Uh, let's see. I, I think the I think the uh, the the 60-year-old airplane was the Death Star because <laughs> it was just blowing up planets left and right. Just everything it think, everything is shot it destroyed. To be honest with you, I think Ken had it right. We had to move on from that one. Damn it. Damn it. All right. Last and certainly not least, Jeff, was there a Babylon 5 reference in this movie? <gasps> no. None? Nothing? None. Nothing. I got Bubkus here for you. It was Nothing. in that trough between 80s superhero actors and... Yeah, that's true. It came out in the mid-90s. You've been letting us down lately. Well, no, I'm just no. Re- I, I'd be letting you down if I didn't find one and there was one. That's when I would be letting you down. I can't make one up in a movie about guys that were doing stuff before Babylon 5. But that's all this is. It's just a bunch of dudes that, um, you know, from their 80 heydays, and they're not starring in Babylon 5. Okay, mm-hmm. did you find any Babylon 1, 2, 3, or 4 references? Because that was before. Wow. Steve, move on. All right, guys. uh, That is it for the Man Cave Movie Review Checklist. Now it is time for the Man Cave Movie Review of this great and fantastic film. I'm going to shoot it over to my good and dear friend, Mr. Roney. What do you say, sir? As I touched on before, this movie delivered what I wanted to see. I wanted to see the old guys from the glory days doing their stuff again, blowing up shit shooting bad guys. This movie actually probably did a little better than I expected. Uh, I agree with Steve that, you know, I went and saw The Expendables, the first one. It, was, it did, it delivered what I wanted. And then this one came out and I was thinking, well, it's going to be about the same or maybe a little worse, like usually is the case with trailer with, with sequels. But it did a better job. I think it is a better movie, a more entertaining movie than the other. Now, again, in terms of script, writing, dialogue, all that stuff that cinema buffs want to talk about, it's just an excuse to get the shooting and the knifing and the fisticuffs on. But having said all that, I mean, I liked it. I can't say I really, really like this movie. It's good. I'm going to give it you know, a seven. It's between like and really like. I understand. Mr. Muncy, what do you say, sir? I think Ken summed up probably my feelings. It It's a movie that if you are a fan of any of these actors or of these, um, these genre pieces, you're not going to be let down. I don't think it's so overdone, uh, but I think it's, um, it's a fun ride, and it's meant to be a fun ride. I think they deliver one everything that they wanted to. And um, I'm going to echo Ken. I'm going to give it a... Uh, I'm going to give it a 7. It is a don't avoid. It's a decent show. 
um, if you like this. If you don't like this stuff, um, this these uh, tropish, cliche type movies with with just nonstop one-liners and over-the-top violence, um, then steer away. Otherwise, I think you'll be okay. Decent flick. Very good, Mr. Mark. Yeah, I, both of them pretty much nailed a lot of what I would say. I mean. It's a trip down memory lane. If you like these movies, if you grew up with these movies, if you get the the callbacks to their movies, you'll like this movie. Um, and you'll like Expendables. I, I, I agree. I think this is a better, better being a stretch a bit. Uh, of the two, just go rent both of them. They're, they are truly beer and popcorn. Put your brain on wash and wear and enjoy, if you like, Action Hero movies with a bit of nostalgia and Grecian Formula 16 <laughs> and Walkers and AARP cards. Um, it, they're fun. They don't make any pretense to be anything more than what they are and I'm like these guys. I'll give it a 7. It, it, it's a good movie. It's not great, but it doesn't take itself seriously and it's not it, it's a great 90 minutes worth of um reminiscing about the good old days very good honestly guys i can't um pretty much uh, elaborate on anything you said i thought it was pretty much uh you know same kind of thing beer and pretzels movie a lot of fun uh put your brain on wash and wear sit back have a beer and popcorn and enjoy the show it's not meant to be a serious movie i think it, in a few points it tries to be but then the lightheartedness kind of was like, okay, what was that all about? It's a throwback to a lot of the movies that we saw back in the 80s, the action-type movies, The Commando, The Predator, um, Raw Deal. If any, you saw all those um, you know, Schwarzenegger movies, kind of reminds you of that in a way. But um, you know, overall, I have to agree with my compatriots. I'm going to have to just pretty much go with a 7 on this one. It's uh, it's a good solid movie. Again, watch it. It's it's one of those things where it's good view. Will you watch it again? Probably not. But it's a it's a good show for the um, you know for a first view. So my review. All right, folks, that is it for Man Cave Movie Review episode seventy four. Stay tuned for us next week. We're going to be talking about another surprise because we haven't figured it out yet. But it's going to be good. So until then. Check us out at our website at mancavemoviereview.com. Also look for us on iTunes at Man Cave Movie Review And leave us a comment and give us a review. Tell us if you like the show. We're also on Facebook at Man Cave Movie Review And follow us on Twitter at Man Cave Movie. So this is it. Until then, I am your host, Steve Michael, signing off with my very good and dear friend, Mark. Do not challenge me. Slower. Yo, uh, yeah, yo, Adrian, oh, uh, yeah, uh, yo, oh, uh, yeah, give me my walker, Adrian, Adrian. That really sucked, didn't it? Yeah, it's pretty bad. I heard uh, Sylvester Stallone is going to be in another Rocky movie. He's going to be uh, fighting arthritis. <laughs> um, where's Where's that sound? That little put um bump. We're here all week, and also. Saying farewell and adieu is our other very good and dear friend, Jeff. Katie, bar the door. There's a hot Asian babe in the movie, Muncie. Hubba hubba. And last, and certainly not least, is our other very good and dear friend saying farewell, adieu, and auf Wiedersehen. Ken, I gave up my job to be a bouncer. Roni. 
I need a good name like Trench Mauser. <laughs> How about Trench Mouth? How about Shellhole Luger? Anyways, that's all I got to say. How about Shoehorn Roni? <laughs> How about Sharks with Laser Beams? That's actually good. <laughs> Sharknadoes with laser beams. Sharknadoes. You, you know that's that is that is actually coming to the theaters. Oh at, no! How yes, it, how they it, got a special like big event coming up here with Sharknado. I how is that possible? I don't know. And a sequel. Is that a Roger Corman thing? No. It was a sci-fi cheesy ass, cheap ass movie that got blown up into a big event. But all I know, I don't know anything more about it except that it really sucks. Except at the very ending, the hero gets sucked into the shark's jaws, into its guts, with a chainsaw in his hands, and then he cuts himself out with the stripper with a heart of gold or whatever. Where's Bruce Campbell? He should be there. Yeah. When are we going to do the Bruce Campbell oeuvre? We need to go over all of his great movies. I think Halloween we're doing Army of Darkness. Okay. I just want to let all the listeners know is that this is the only podcast that you could tune into where we could actually tie in um, Expendables 2 with Sharknado. How it happened, I still don't know. And Bruce Campbell. And Bruce Campbell. Well, you know, I can understand Bruce Campbell, but how the hell Sharknado got into this is beyond me. But anyway, you know what? That's it, folks. Uh, Stay tuned for us next week. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Michael, signing off before this thing really goes off the rails. Ciao. Trader Joe's. Oh. Does that have nuts in it? Um, I don't know. Just caramel corn. I got a bag of nuts. <laughs> How many nuts are in your bag? Just a couple. Oh, just, just a couple. Are they dry or roasted? Um. <laughs> a little salty. Oh my god. <laughs> We're done. <laughs> so they're not cashews? You know, I blame Michaels. You know, he's he's got to get control. Yeah, he does. I can't control if I had you guys in arm's length. You'd be on the floor, I probably. <laughs> bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> <laughs>